This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Blood from Rebellion. It comes from 2 Samuel 2, 12 through 32. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song was ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone, or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, if you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class dot podbean.com again that's radio bible class with no space between radio bible class dot podbean.com and of course you can catch us wherever you listen to your podcast whether that's spotify whether that's amazon whether that's google whether that's itunes we're there too just search for wmer radio bible class with no space between radio bible class Well, today we pick back up in 2 Samuel, the second chapter. If you remember, I told you that 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, if you go back to the Hebrew text, there was no 1 and 2 Samuel. It was just Samuel. But when they translated that, they broke it out into 1 and 2 Samuel. And that's why it ends in 1 Samuel with Saul dying. And then it picks right up in 2 Samuel chapter 1, with the Malachite coming to David and telling David that Saul is dead. We saw the reaction that David had to that news, and then how he wrote a song that he had the nation of Israel learn. And then last week, we looked at what's next. We looked at there are two kings. We looked at David said, what's next? He asked God, what do I do next? Is it time for me to leave the land of the Philistines and come back? And if so, where do I go? And then, of course, he began his reign because the tribe of Judah was the only tribe of the nation of Israel. And they're in the lower half, come and they anoint him king after he's moved to Hebron. That's where God told him to go. Then he tells the men of Jabesh Gilead that God is going to bless them. But not only is God going to bless them, but he's going to also honor that blessing and pass it on as being the hands and feet of God. Because now he is king. Judah has made him king. And why don't you come on? And we looked at that, how that was an invitation. And then we wrapped up right where we're about to pick back up that there was this guy named Abner. And Abner was the son of Ner. He was the commander of Saul's army. And he took Ishbosheth and he said, I want you to be king. And so he took him and made him king because he was one of Saul's heirs. Now, we also talked about how when we studied through 1 Samuel, we never heard of this guy. And so a lot of theologians, a lot of commentators say that he was a son to Saul. That's documented fact, but 
It was because that it was through a concubine. It wasn't a legitimate heir to the throne. But anyhow, Abner does that. We see it's because Abner doesn't want to lose his power. He was Saul's right-hand man. And David had called him out, and he was not going to let David be king, even though he knew David should be king. But David called him out one time when he was right there and had a chance to kill King Saul. So that's where we left off. That's where we're going to pick up. But before we do, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something out of rebellion and it wound up costing you more than you really thought it would? You thought you had the better idea and it wound up costing you more. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be. I don't know about you. I can tell you that's happened to me. I mean, I think about the time that I was going to buy this car. And yet there was another dealership that was going to give me a better deal on the car. And I went to the dealership I wanted to buy the car from and they wouldn't budge. They said, go buy that car. If you can get that deal, go buy that car. And so I did. But what I didn't realize, I was buying a lemon and I had all kinds of issues. The dealership that was closer that I really wanted to buy from, they wound up making money anyhow. Even though they didn't sell me that car, they got to work on it over and over again. And I wound up being upside down. I'd have been a whole lot better off paying a little bit more from the local dealership. I tell you that story because today we're going to pick up for the power struggle that's going on. We Last week's lesson was called Two Kings, and we're going to see this week the war that begins between the tribe of Judah and the different tribes of Israel. So it's one tribe of Judah and the 11 tribes of Israel. Eventually they're going to come together and be united, but right now they're separated and they're about to war against one another because there's two kings. There's two people in authority, and the people have to make a decision. Throughout history, we have seen this play out time and time again, where someone thinks they should be the rightful heir or king, and others don't, and so there is this battle that ensues. This is their fight that goes on, and we're going to see over the next couple of chapters that this plays out, just like the Game of Thrones, that, that show that was out on TV where they fought for the kingdoms. We have a lot to cover, so let's just jump right in. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 12, and we'll be reading out of the ESV. Abner, the son of Ner, and the servant of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanam to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zero, the servant of David, went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And Abner said to Joab, Let the young men arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. Then they arose and passed over the number twelve from Benjamin and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. And each caught his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in the opponent's side, so they fell down together. Therefore that place was called Helkath, Herazom, which is at Gibeon. And the battle was very fierce that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. We're going to stop right there for now. Let me start off by saying that some of these names are hard to say, so I apologize up front if I get something wrong. This is where we're at. Abner and his men are headed down to go to battle. They're sneaking in there at Gibeon, and here's Joab. Somehow he hears about it, and he goes and meets him at the pool of Gibeon. And so they're across from one another, across this pool. And Abner, who's this great military leader, just like Joab was a great military leader, Joab was David's great military leader. He's the one that helped him as he was running from Saul. 
And then Abner was the guy that protected Saul while they were going after David. Anyhow, these two military minds, these two tough guys, are sitting across from each other, and they say, let the young men come before us. And they pick 12 from the tribe of Benjamin, and they pick 12 from David, the tribe of Judah. And they go to battle, these 24. And what it says is that it was really bloody because they both grabbed each other's head and they put their sword in and all 24 die right there in front of one another. And then a real battle breaks out. I mean, a very fierce battle is what the Bible says. And Abner and his men were beaten badly by the servants of David. Now, if this was a movie, there would be three scenes throughout this movie. First, there's the scene at the pool that we just described, the 12 by 12 battle and the bloody battle that came after it. And then we're going to see that there'd be a second scene where Abner is on the run and a chase after him. And then last, we would see that there is a truce that's called. From top of the hill, there is a truce, a determination to catch Abner, but then there's a ceasefire that happens they lick their wounds as they go their separate ways for this part of the battle. So there's really three scenes, and that's my three points today. At the pool, on the run, and from the hill. So the first thing we see is we're at the pool. Here's this 12 by 12 battle. And I think you got to ask the question, how did we get here? And we got here because of Abner's disobedience. Abner would not allow David to be king of the nation of Israel. He wanted his own king. He wanted his own puppet. And his disobedience is going to cost him his life. Spoiler alert there. But not only his life, but the servants of those that work for him. We're going to see that 360 men die because of his defiance. And defiance is called rebellion. And rebellion, we will find out, is a part of witchcraft. And that God hates rebellion. That's what we do when we live in sin. We are rebelling against God. And right here, one of the things we can learn is that rebellion not only cost you something, but it cost those around you. Abner's men who died, died because of his rebellion. Their death should have never happened. This battle should have never happened. But it did because he took over the plan of God. He did it in his own strength. He did it in his own way, and he wouldn't listen to what God wanted. And there are people walking around today that are doing the same thing. They're, well, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to have to give up what I want to do. See, they have an I problem. It's about I. It's about me. It's about myself. And God says, I love you. And I want you to come to me. And he offers an invitation to you. But you have to make the decision. And what we see here is that Abner is just like a lot of Christians that are running in rebellion and defiance. Listen to what the Bible has to say about rebellion. Proverbs 17, 11, An evil man seeks only rebellion and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. What that verse is saying is that evil people, sinners, are in rebellion. They foster rebellion against God. And because of that, death will catch them and it will be sent against them. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And we see right here in Proverbs that those that are sinners, those that do evil, are against God and God one day will send death towards them. The other thing the Bible says, and I've taught on this several times, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one man sows, he will also reap. I mean, that's just a principle of life. If you plant an apple tree, it produces apple once it grows. If you do an orange tree, but you can't plant an orange tree and get an apple off of it. And whatever you're sowing, 
Just make sure God is not mocked and you are going to reap what you've sown. In the Old Testament, Hosea 10.13 says, You have plowed wickedness and reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of the lies because you have trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your mighty men. Right there in Hosea 10, we see that he is speaking by the inspiration of God. He's prophesying that because of what you've done, because you have been wicked, you are now reaping the injustice that you've allowed to happen. You would think after these 12 people died that Abner would have said, okay, all right, I'm not as good as I thought I was, and he would have relented. He would have either left or he would have repented. But that's not what happened, and that's not what happens even with us. The spirit of rebellion and defiance, it carries forward. We see it right here, the defiance and the rebellion of Saul that Abner had with Saul, it carries forward. When we were studying 1 Samuel, we saw in 1 Samuel 15, 23 that for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Abner was there when this goes down. And we see that Samuel tells Saul that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Being stubborn is the same as idolatry. And with Abner being right there with Saul when he was being so rebellious against God, you would think he would have learned that God never blesses rebellion. A rebellious child can never receive the blessing of the parent. And God treats us just like we treat our children. We are his children. God's not going to bless us if we're rebelling against him. Jesus taught on this when he talked about the prodigal son and how the prodigal son rebelled against the father and the father lets him go. The father says he needs to learn a lesson. And so he lets him go to the far country. And what does he do? He comes to his senses when he runs out of money. He has no place to sleep. And he's eating with pigs, which for Jew was as low as you could get because pigs were considered unclean. But yet his father allows him back, just like our father allows us back when we're rebellious. For the prodigal son, it came to him coming to himself and then begging for mercy. And that's what Jesus is waiting on for you. If you've not accepted him today, he's saying, quit being rebellious. I'm, here, I'm sitting here waiting. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I just need you to come to your senses and beg for mercy. And I'll be glad to give it to you. The Bible tells us where sin abound, grace does much more abound. But we don't get that grace until we turn to God and ask for forgiveness. I'm already halfway through my time, so I've got to move on. But the Old Testament is full of God's judgment against the nation of Israel because they would rebel against him. If you seem to be going through some issues right now, one of the places you need to stop and think about, is there something in my life that I am rebelling against God? Is there a commandment that God has put before us that I'm not obeying? And you may be going, well, Tim, you know, we live in a, in a society of grace and the world teaches us that it's all about grace. And it is. We are saved through grace in faith. When we believe in what Jesus did on the cross, we are saved. When we believe that in our heart, when we admit, when we come to ourselves, when we admit that we're a sinner, we need him and we need a savior and we believe in his finished work. That's when we're saved. It's not through works. It's not that there's anything we can do to earn it. But to get there, first we have to realize that we are in rebellion against God. We have to admit that we need him. And we have to confess with our mouths that he's Lord. We have to believe on what he did. So we've seen the bloody battle right here at the pool. Now let's watch the chase. Look at verse 18 with me real quick. 
And the three sons of Zeru were there, Joab, Abashai, and Ashiel. Now Ashiel was as swift of foot as a wild gazelle, and Ashiel pursued Abner as he went. And he turned neither to the right or to the left from following Abner. And then Abner turned behind him and said, Is it you, Ashiel? And he answered, It is I. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left hand and seize one of the young men and take his spoil. But Ashiel would not turn aside from following him. And Abner said again to Ashel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I lift up my face to your brother Joab? But he refused to turn aside. Therefore Abner struck him in the stomach with the butt of his spear, so that the spear came out his back, and he fell there, and he died where he was. And all who came to that place where Ashel had fallen and died stood still. So here's the second scene. Now Abner's on the run with his men. They've lost a bloody battle and they're running for their lives. They're retreating. And what happens? Joab and Ashiai and Ashel pursue after Abner. And the Bible tells us that Ashiel was swift as a gazelle. That means he could run fast. He could ride fast. He was faster than any other man. And so he's chasing after Abner. He is devoted to David. And he's chasing after him and he's wanting to kill Abner and get this thing over with. He wants David to be the true king across all the nation of Israel. And Abner looks back and said, whoa, this dude's gaining on me fast. This must be Ashiel. So he says, Ashiel, is that you? He said, yes, it is me. He says, Ashiel, kill somebody to the left or to the right. Don't make me kill you because your brother, I won't be able to look him in the face. Abner knows Joab because of the times that David could have killed Saul. He says, I don't want to have to have that discussion with Joab. But anyhow, Ashiel won't stop. See, again, Abner doesn't care. We already talked about how rebellion doesn't care about the consequences of others. He's saying, kill somebody else that's in this battle. Don't come after me because I don't want to have to battle you. But Ashiel won't stop. And what happens Abner eventually takes the butt of his sword and he goes behind him as he's coming up on him and it goes through his stomach and out his back and it immediately kills him. He falls off the horse and he dies right there. Well, there's a couple of things we can learn from this. One, Ashiel was committed. Are you committed to the Lord? Would you be willing to die for the Lord? We saw the disciples, when it came time for Jesus to, to go to the cross, they denied him. Peter denied him three times before the rooster crowed. I wonder how many of us, and I'm not saying I wouldn't do it either. I don't think I would, but I wonder how many of us would be willing to die to make a stand for Christ. The Taliban beheads Christian. They ask them, are you a Christian? And if you say yes, whack, off goes your head. Now, I'm not saying Ashiel should have been willing to murder Abner. That's a whole different lesson, and that's beyond the scope of today. But Ashiel was committed to the point that he's willing to lose his job. And most Americans are committed, but we're committed to the wrong thing. We're committed to our job. We're committed to our family. We're committed to money. We're committed to our fun. But we're not committed to God. Today, are you committed Jesus, again, talked about this in Luke, Luke 9, 6, 2. He said, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. We have to be a people of commitment. We have to be willing to go and chase after the things that God tells us to do. We have to be committed to what God tells us to do. King Solomon was inspired to write in Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. 
See, when you're determined to see something through to the end, you will make it happen. You'll do everything you can to make that happen. You must be determined. And too many Christians aren't determined. Let me tell you, I've still got a lot of life before me, but I've lived a pretty good bit of number of years. And I can tell you that most things in your life will not come easy to you. It will take a measure of determination to make that happen. It won't cost your life like it did here at Ashiel, but it'll take something and it'll cost you something. If it doesn't cost you something, it's probably not worth anything. What I do want you to see is that Ashiel was different from Abner. Ashiel was committed. He was devoted. And what was Abner? Abner was creating division. He didn't care about anything but himself. He had the eye problem I talked about because he's willing to give up people to the left and to the right. He has an eye problem. He was a man of division. He was a man of rebellion or defiance. But we see here that Ashiel was a man of determination. Well, let's look at the rest of the chapter real quick. But Joab and Ashbei pursued Abner. And as the sun was going down, they came to the hill of Amaha, which lies before Gai on the way to the wilderness of Gibeon. And the people of Benjamin gathered themselves together behind Abner and became one group and took their stand on the top of the hill. Then Abner called to Joab, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that the end will be bitter? How long will it be before you tell your people to turn from the pursuit of their brothers? And Joab said, As God lives, if you had not spoken, surely the men would not have given up the pursuit of their brothers until this morning. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the men stopped and pursued Israel no more, nor did they fight any more. And Abner and his men went all that night through Arabia. They crossed the Jordan and marched the whole morning, and they came to Mahanamah. Joab returned from the pursuit of Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing from David's servants nineteen men besides Ashiel. But the servant of David had struck down of Benjamin three hundred and sixty of Abner's men, and they took up Ashiel and buried him in the tomb of his father, which was at Bethlehem. And Joab and his men marched all night, and the day broke upon them at Hebron. So what we see right here is that Joab and Ashiai are still pursuing Abner. The sun's going down as they come to the hill. And right there, it says that he said, how long are you going to chase us? How long are you going to battle before we kill all your men? I've already told you that Joab was like David's right-hand man. But then we also see that Abashai was the cousin of David. He's the one that was with him that night when he could have killed King Saul. He said, let me do it. Let me do it. I'll kill him. And David wouldn't let him. He said, do not touch God's anointing. And what do we see? He's pursuing after Abner. He's just like he was after King Saul. He's after Abner to put him to death. What we see here is the same thing that these two men, Joab and Ashii, are both devoted Numbers 32.2 says, When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Somewhere in time, both Joab and Abashai made a commitment to God and to David, and they meant to see it through. And so they're chasing after Abner, and they're going to kill him when they come to the top of this mountain. As a matter of fact, not only do they want to kill him, they probably have more determination now, not just for David, but because of their brother's death that just happened, and they, walk, they went by it as they came by. 
And then we see that Abner says, are you going to allow the armies? Are you going to let them kill all your men because you are angry over your brother's death? You want to take a revenge? And then we see the wisdom of Joab. Even though he wanted the blood revenge, I think he said, I'll have another day. I'll have a better advantage and I won't lose as many men. And so he blows the trumpet. He makes a plea for peace. He does a ceasefire. And then we see that Abner and his men march all night and they go back to Ishbosheth. Then also we see that Joab counts and finds out that they had a big win. The cost was not as much for them as it was for Ishbosheth and for Abner. 360 men died for the nation of Israel. But for the tribe of Judah, there was only 19 plus Ashiel. From our lesson today, we really see two things. One, we see the battle of division. We see a battle of rebellion. We see the fleshly side, the side that says about me. We see Abner and how he didn't fight a battle. He didn't fight the internal battle because it was decided for him that it was all about him. He didn't care who died. He didn't care how many men had to die as long as he got what he wanted. And then we saw David's side. We saw the devotion of his men that were after Abner and his men. Each of us have a battle we fight every day. It's a battle of the flesh versus the spirit. We struggle with that. The Bible tells us that we have to die to our flesh daily. We have to walk in the spirit. But that's not easy to do. So you may ask Tim, well, how do I fight this battle and be victorious? I'm glad you asked that question. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. When we focus on Jesus, when we meditate on Jesus, when we glance at Jesus, then we don't have time to look at the things around us. So think about Peter that stepped out of the boat onto the water. He was doing fine because he was focused on Jesus. It didn't matter what the sea was doing, but a big wave coming that splashes in his face. And the Bible tells us that he panicked. He looked down and he's like, I'm walking on water and I shouldn't be able to. These waves are going to take me. And immediately he went from being focused on the spirit to focus on self. And the Bible tells us that he started to sink and Jesus quickly reached down and picked him back up. Paul was inspired to write in Colossians 3, 2, that set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. What Paul wanted us to understand, whatever we focus on grows in intensity. So if we focus on God and we look at how big he is and what all he can do for us, guess what? Our problems seem to get smaller and smaller. But when we focus on the problem, it just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So where are you focusing today? So with that said, which side are you on? Are you on the rebellion side? Are you on the devotion side? Do you have your eyes focused on the things of heaven or on the things of earth? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for this lesson. Lord, sometimes we look at something like this. We go, what is there to really learn about this battle other than seeing an interesting story? And But we really can see the characters and we can see how we have those same traits in our own life. There are times that we want to have the I problem that Abner had. There are times that we want it about me, 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 and we quit worrying about other people. It's only about me. How does this affect me? But you teach us to focus on heaven, to focus on you. And when we do that, then the things around us don't matter so much. We can have that peace that passes all understanding. We have that joy in the middle of pain because we're focused 
on you and our final reward. Lord, right now, maybe there's one that's going through life. The wave of life has hit them in the face and they're like Peter, they're sinking. Maybe they were focused on you, but right now they're not. Lord, I pray today that they would refocus back on you. Lord, that they will be devoted to you. Lord, that they'll chase after you. They'll put it at your feet and they'll keep their glance and their glare at you, Lord. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about other than they know they've never had that. Lord, I pray today that they would understand that they need you. They need a Savior. Lord, and they would be like the prodigal son and they would come to their senses. They would admit that they are a sinner, that they have a sin problem and that they need you. Lord, I pray right now that they would believe in their heart of your work that you did on the cross, how you took their sins, you nailed it to that cross, and how you overcame death. Lord, right now, I pray that they will confess with their mouth that you are Lord of their life. And Lord, they'll chase after you and they'll follow after your commandments. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.